Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Asben. Our daf of the day, Masachere Ravin, daf Pei Tet, page 89. And if you want to hear about how we're in the final stretch, um, in my volumes of uh, the, I've been using the paperback, Koren Talmud Bavli, the Noe edition, and they are, it comes in, this particular Masachet comes in five different volumes, and we are now beginning volume number five. And, of course, some of you have already begun signing up for our uh, Sium, which is scheduled for a few weeks from now. Um, Yordana, do we have any other announcements about that? Except for No, thank you. Thank you for everybody who signed up. And, uh, you know, if I can make a suggestion also, I think Masachat Pesachim is a great time uh, to start learning the DAF. So if you have any friends who you think may be interested and want to invite them to come to the Zoom, even if they didn't learn Masachari Ravim, but just to see what our amazing community of learners is all about, please, please, please uh, invite them to come along. Right. I feel like Pesachim is like a whole, it's going to be a whole new world compared to the, you know, it's just, it is, it's just a different kind of halacha, a different kind of text. Um, okay. Let's come back to Erevin. Um, we are in Perak Chi'i, the ninth Perak. Um, and it is called Kol Gagot, all roofs, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But one of the things I just want to note about this parak is that, and it's not my observation, it's really, I'm taking it from the Koran um, edition, but but I find it to be, you know, a nice framing uh, kind of approach to what we're about to embark on, is that up until now, we have been talking about Eruvin, right? Different circumstances of how do you make an Eruv, and under what terms, and and you know, given different physical parameters and different intent and all, all the different parameters that you've, that you've, you know, been paying attention to for the past, well, 88 pages, right? Um, or 87, 87, I guess, technically, because we start on Duff Bet. But the, what we're doing here, what we're about to talk about is situations where there is no Eruv. And, and that's, and we're not going to just talk about it for one mission. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of the unifying principle here is that we're, we're now embarking on circumstances that are relevant and germane to the discussion of Eruvin, in which there is no Eruv. And that is going to, you know, bring up all kinds of interesting cases and interesting bottom lines, I think, also. Um, and one of the first times I think we see this is in the Mishnah, that is just a bit at the top of the daf. Kol gagota ir reshut achat. So this is that all the roofs of the city are one domain. As long as there's no one roof amongst all these roofs that is higher by or higher or lower than the next one by ten tfachim. And that is Rabbi Meir's opinion. But Chachamim say each roof is its own domain, meaning not that all the roofs of the city become their own domain. I'm going to come back to this in a moment. I just want to finish off the mission of the text itself because we have, that's Rabbi Meir and Rabbanan, Chachamim, and now we've got Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Echad Gagod Ve'echad Chatzerot Ve'echad Karpefot, right? That's a Karpef that we've talked about plenty of times. Rashut Achadhen L'Kelim Sheshavtu L'Tochan V'lo L'Kelim Sheshavtu B'Toch Habayit so Rabbi Shimon is getting, I would say, even more granular. He says that if you've got a roof or you've got a courtyard or you've got any kind of enclosure, all of that can be any which one, really, not all of that, but any one can be a domain. And now he's not talking about with regard to the other uh, roofs or courtyards or carpefot or around, but rather with regard to what you're carrying, right? He says, 
Each one is a, a single domain with regard to the kalim that are inside of them from the time that Shabbat begins, right? And then the question, and so then what can you do? Are you allowed to carry from one to the next, right? Once Shabbat begins. And the answer is, well, yes, if you if they're in any one of these places, namely a roof or a courtyard or enclosure, um, gag, chatzer, v'karpif. But if they were to get, but they're not considered the same domain as the house, right? Let's say the kalim were inside the house when Shabbat begins, and now you want to move the things out to your courtyard or to your roof or to your enclosure out there. Well, then the issue, that does seem to be transferring domain, according to Rabbi Shimon. This second half of the mission is really a different discussion than the first half. I want to come back to it. Namely, this idea that Rabbi Meir's perspective, where he says that all of the roofs of the city are one domain, I find to be very interesting. First of all, I grew up in suburbia. So the roof of my, the house that I grew up in is nowhere near the roof of the next house over. Um, you know, but this idea that you could have roofs that are one domain is an image of roof, a roof that touches the next roof, that touches the next roof, or that touches the next roof, or at the very least that you can easily leap from one to the next. And I just have this image of, you know, I, I can't even picture which one, but there's many, like even children's movies, right, where the kids are running wild, apparently wild, right, all over the the rooftops of London, for example. Right. And and so here, Dana, as we were preparing, you reminded me that this is this comes up in Mary Poppins. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I know that it comes up in the again, a children's movie, Abominable. That's not London. Right. But I think that it comes up a lot in detective movies and, you know, adventure movies and that kind of thing. This idea that if you're in a city where where people can kind of scamper from one rooftop to the next, indeed, they are treating the entire I don't know what, the upper echelons of the city as one big playground, so to speak, one big adventure land. And it really does have that sense in, in my recollection of this kind of thing that I've seen primarily in film, right, as one domain. And Rebbe Mayer's position makes great sense to me, even though Chachamim's position makes much more sense to me in my personal experience of living in a home and even now, I live in an apartment building, but the next apartment building over is not one that I would jump to. Um, if I wanted to make sure not to fall, you know, many stories down. So I feel like the re- I, the Gemara talks about, you know, what is the case that Rabbi Meir is really talking about? But I feel like this image of one domain up there in the rooftops is kind of specific to the physicality of, you know, how those rooftops relate to each other, not just in terms of um, height, right? Ten Tzvachim, not no more than Ten Tzvachim, um, a variance from one height to the next, but also proximity. Like these buildings have to be fairly close together for there for there to be any relevance to them being one domain. Right. I mean, again, I, I like what you said. I had this image of like Aladdin, like all these movies where there's like all this activity that takes place on the roofs. And yes, in a certain way, you can understand Ruby Mayer's position because it's like it's its own area. It's its own defined space by itself. And all that activity takes place up there. Like we should make a list of every movie that takes place on the roof. Right. right. I feel like I feel like from for our next round, you know, our next time through uh, Shas, we're gonna we're gonna have that list ready. Um, so the Gemara here comes and kind of makes makes this point that they really are separate 
separate arenas, I guess. I don't think they're brothers. Are they brothers? Uh, I thought they were not. I don't think so. Okay. They do. Look, the name Avin is it is either the name Avin or it can also be a, a what's it called? Um, you know, a referent to Abba, right? So I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, so Abai is sitting near them, and now so that right they're they're sitting and they're talking. This is, well, sure, Rabbanan said that the people are divided into different domains right down below right meaning the, the point is that they're then focusing on a different kind of space they're not focusing on the rooftops the, the, these Amorayim are saying that the point of Chachamim is not as I described it right that the that simply the physical houses were, were, were too separate for that but rather that if you are paying attention not to the rooftops but you pay attention to the the life of the home, which is on the ground, then it becomes very clear that each one is its own reshut. And so then the roof just follows the, the home, right? Even if they are in close enough proximity, according to Chachamim, the whole idea is that if you are in a do- one domain, then then what would you be gallivanting on the roofs for, right? I can I can hear that implication. And then Rebbe Meir, Ella Rebbe Meir, Micah Savar, what does he hold? If you say that he holds the same way, that just as people are divided on the bottom, meaning in their home lives, so they are divided up in the top and the rooftops, so then why would he say that they are all one domain, right? If you, But how can he be disagreeing with Chachamim about people having different, you know, different domains on the ground? Because that seems to be pretty, you know, a pretty plain sentence right like that's kind of a given but if he but if he in fact says no they do not have separate domains on the ground floor and and perhaps the rationale for that would be that anything that's above 10 to begin with so then he says you don't have to say that each home is divided into separate domains as long as they are within each other's uh, reach, so to speak, within this ten tzvachim. Remember, ten tzvachim, for all that it's used as a minimal measurement and sometimes a maximal me- measurement, it's not actually that large of a, it's not that long or tall or whatever, right? Um, think, ten, ten fists. I've said this before. I feel like it's kind of like a baseball bat and maybe just taller, just just taller than a baseball bat. If you picture fist after fist after fist, um, so then Abai says to them, to these, to Abai Rav Bar Avin and Rav Chanina Bar Avin, Amar Lahu Abai, Losh Me Lahu Had Amar Rav Yitzchak Bar Avdimi, Omer Haya Rabbi Meir. So I feel like this is the good gossip, right? Abai says to them, "Did you not hear what Rav Yitzchak Bar Avdimi said that Rabbi Meir would say?" Right? Meaning, there's excitement in this. I think. Um, he says it sounds like a real like verbatim quote also oh yes that's bringing the opinion it's like real it it has something very expressive about it yes i agree
So it says like this, any place, meaning, again, this is a statement of Rabbi Meir. No, this is a statement Rav Yitzchak Baravdimi made about Rabbi Meir's saying, and all in the name that Abai is telling it to our story here. It's a big coffee clutch. Um, so basically, right, any place that you would have two different domains, right, meaning places that are set apart, either because they have different functions or different, you know, one is too high from the next, or there's boundaries between them, right? In any which way you're going to say that this is one domain over here and another domain over there. And yet at the same time, they are meaning, so there's a physical disparity between them, but halachically they are really just one domain, right? And that could be, oh, you know, where you have a courtyard and then you have another courtyard even, right? Meaning halachically it's not necessarily two domains until you have, you know, some other way to separate them so, for example, if you have a pillar that's 10 tzvachim high and 4 tzvachim wide, right, I meaning that's your minimum um, measurement to say that even though it's in a private domain, it is still going to be considered its own domain within the private domain. And then you can't use it for anything, right? And that's by, that's again, that's, you know, a statement of Rabbanu, which is said here, asur um, lekatef alav. Right, like a tafe, a tafe is a shoulder, right? So you can't stand there and kind of adjust yourself or fix your bag or or fix your shoulders on it, right? That's what it says. Lest and and it's really a shema. It's really um, a fence around something that could happen because you got used to doing it here. Namely, don't do this in the private domain, lest you come to do it in a tail rabim in a in a hill, right? You know, which will have those same kind of domain dimensions, but it would be in a in a public domain, and in that case, that would be really prohibited, as opposed to here, which is more like a warning, it seems, or a prohibition. Again, a prohibition that functions as a fence against the greater, the greater prohibition, which is a doraita, right? It's um a sur minhatorah to mess with a with the public domain, right? We've talked about that before as well. Okay, so then the idea is that Rabbi Meir's whole issue seems to be, like in the case of the roofs, right, where he says that, you know, can you can you carry from roof to roof? And the answer is yes, of course you can carry from roof to roof, unless they are, you know, unequal for 10th fachim. All of that is in the rabbinic category. And this Gemara suggests that the reason that that is in place is to make sure that you wouldn't come to do it, those, you know, that, that same kind of transfer in a public domain, as opposed to in a Carmelite or a private domain, in which case you would be, though if you were in a public domain, you would be violating an Isra Doraita. So too, when you're violating an Isra, only an Isra Rabbanan, or we're going, Rabbanan would enact this decree to make sure that you're not at risk of getting used to it and then violating it in the public domain. I feel like this is kind of like some of those um, positions that the, rabbi of my college campus when I was a freshman that he took to make sure that, you know, you, you take care of something when you're first learning about it, you, you treat it in a way that will protect you against some future circumstance that would put you at greater risk of violation. Well, I think this is a tension throughout Masachari Ruvin is, you know, sort of wanting to be makel or in a certain way lenient with some of the provisions of Averv because they do understand that it is rabbinic, so they don't want to be too strict, but yet at the same time, not creating scenarios that may lead somebody to forget, like, oh, that's something you're not, you're not allowed to do. And 
you know, the way I would think about it is like, I've had some of my kids when they were younger, because they've always grown up with an Arab. Like they actually didn't know that you're not allowed to carry on Shabbat. <laughs> like they just didn't know it. And, you know, so you could see you, I, I think this is the consistent, one of the consistent tensions throughout the halachot of Eruvin is wanting to make, you know, creating a body of law so that this becomes somewhat livable or more livable, but at the same time, not being so lenient that they actually forget, you know, the real Isor, which is like carrying from Rashuda Yachi to Rashuda Rabim or vice versa, is Asur Min HaTorah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so I want to just hop along to something on Amud Bet that I thought was, uh, you know, a, a nice, uh, a little bit of a different take to a scenario that we've seen repeatedly, which is throughout Masachat Erevin, we've seen sort of this um, interplay between Rav Yosef and his student Abaye, right? That Rav Yosef comes and he says, you know, um, I, right? I've not heard this halacha, right, about something. And then Abaye always very nicely comes to him and says, no, you actually taught this, right? Right? And so we have that again here on this page, right, specifically about this opinion um, of Shmuel with, you know, and the roofs. And so Rav Yosef said that he, again, he forgot this. He hadn't heard the, heard this before. And Abaye reminds him, yes, you did. You know, that when you have a large roof next to a small roof, uh, that's the case that he brings, that you're allowed to, you, you can carry on the large roof. Uh, but you you can't carry um, on the uh, on the small one. But here we have a little bit of something uh, different that happens here, right? So then he goes. So Abaye basically continues and explains, you know, that he then brought this, uh, you know, what Rav Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel that that was only taught when there are residents on the roofs, um, and uh, you know the the small roof is considered basically how do they call it dekatan mechitza. Nidress it, right, is a trample partition, but I'm not really interested in the actual specifics of the case here. Um, and so, you know, he concludes by saying that this is similar because this is the same thing, that there are no residents on this roof, so therefore no one can carry, you know, and none on that one, so you could actually carry on both roofs. So in other words, a Shmuel understanding of this case, you know, has to do with that the walls of the house actually extend upward and form like a partition beyond the roofs. Um, and so it's about extending the partitions. But then we have something interesting here. For the first time, Rav Yosef actually answers back. And he says, Amar lei, right? Amri he says, like, basically, like, I did say this to you. And I said this as follows. And then he quotes a whole Gemara that he taught, right? Right. This was only taught when there was a partition on all sides of this roof and there was a partition on all sides on that roof. And we've actually never seen that before. We're sort of like Rav Yosef's memory actually gets like jogged a little bit. Um, and so I, you know, I just wanted to point this out here that as we, you know, are almost done with our learning of Masachat Eruvin and have always seen this sort of sadness of, you know, that Rav Yosef's, you know, something happened to him that he was ill and he seems to forget. Here we had a nice, you know, time where he, within this discussion with Abaye, he actually remembers for the first time. And I, I don't recall seeing this in any of the other examples that we saw of this. I don't think so either. But I do think that they, that there's like this, this running thread of the, you know, Hilchot Erevin or the Masachet Erevin through the conversations of Rav Yosef and Abai when Rav as Abai tries to remind Rav Yosef of all this Eruvin halacha that he seems to have forgotten along the way. And on the one hand, it's so poignant and so painful. 
And on the other hand, like there's this really nice, I don't know what narrative flow, you know, that we're getting to know them both as, as people and as Bale Halacha and also the Halachas of Erevin, because that's what they keep talking about. You right. know, I like that, you know, even in his travail, Rav Yosef's, he doesn't remember, but he's still talking Halacha. He's still talking Halacha. And again, I, I just love, uh, I, I, I'm going to give this as a sheer one day, like just the way Abaye continues to try to engage him and to really still revere him as a teacher. And here we see a moment where I think because of that reverence and continued engagement, it actually helps Rav Yosef to really remember. I just want to ask you, Dana, offhand, at least so far, right, before we even get to the other many, many masachot that we haven't touched yet, right, we know about Rav Shesha being blind. We know about, now we know about Rav Yosef's, you know, memory situation. Do we have other, other Chazal, members of Chazal who have suffered loss in their physical or, or mental faculties? I feel like we do, but nobody's like popping into my head right now. Right, I feel like there's somebody, at least one other person, also yes. that that's popping into my my mind, also, but too far at the edge of it. So if anybody else remembers, let us know. Right. But also, I think that this is something that is worth paying attention to because, especially, you know, like we talk about it all the time in Torah, right? That that the heroes of of the Bible are human and they're not made larger than life, and they have failings, and they and they you know get into trouble and so on. Right? And they get rebuked by God and so on. And here, I think that the Gemara follows suit, right? That there are that there are handicaps, that there are failings, that there is less than perfection amongst Chazal. And they don't shy away. I don't know that they never shy away from, from letting us see that. But certainly in the, in the sum total, they don't shy away from letting us see that. Exactly. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that's a theme we should pay attention to, you know, as we continue our studies, uh, you know, this type of, um, you know, this type of really real life situation where we start, we are sometimes impacted by illness. And how does that, you know, affect our learning and our understanding and our ability to interact with Torah? Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on All Nature Podcast. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this staff. And if you have a particular movie uh, that the roofs of the staff remind you of <laughs> on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.